Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, hey friends, it's Fearless Friday on the Make Life Matter podcast. I love Fridays because each Friday I share a short but impacting devotion, or I get to introduce you to some of my fearless friends who are making their life matter for the kingdom. And that's exactly what's happening today with my special guest, Dana Brown. Since overcoming addiction in 2003, Dana has devoted her life to helping others find freedom from addiction. Since that time, God has filled her life and restored her relationship. She has an amazing husband, five children, three of whom are adopted. Then in 2016, she published Desperate for a Fix, in which she shares her true story of addiction, prostitution, homelessness, and jail, followed by a miraculous salvation experience that left her free from addiction. And she's going to share a little bit about her story today. Then in 2019, she and her husband, Mark, founded Zoe Freedom Center and opened the Education and Resource Center in March 2020. And that is right here in my backyard because they have been providing free addiction services to Fredericksburg, Virginia. And if you've been listening to the podcast for long, you know that that's the town that I call home and the surrounding countries. And even if you're listening from somewhere else in the States or overseas, you're going to learn how you can be a part of what God is doing through Zoe. And you're going to learn ways that you can love the people who might be wrestling with addiction in your life. Welcome, Dana. I'm so honored to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Hey, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. Well, I can't believe we've lived in the same town, but we actually just connected pretty recently. Yes, yes, and, pretty pretty recently. It's been great. Oh, it's been a joy and uh, loved hearing just a little bit of your story when we had an event at our church recently. And now I've been reading through your book, Desperate for a Fix. So let's just dive right into your story, Dana. You might be new to people here on the podcast and you share early on in the book that you were raised in a loving home, but early in your teenage years, you struggled with self-image and self-esteem as many do um, in their teenage years. And then you share in your book, Desperate for a Fix, about a devastating event event that took place when you were just 14. So invite us into your story, Dana. Sure. So yes, um, I was raised in a loving family where, um, but our, our faith was not at the forefront of our lives. Um, we may be um, Easter, Christmas, uh, that was about where our faith lie. Um, but I grew up and, uh, had very low self-esteem, very low self-worth, um, was just kind of an awkward kid. But when I was 14, I met a man who showed me attention, um, who was, um, nice to me. I could tell he kind of noticed in that way, you know, he noticed me and thought maybe that I was beautiful. And by the time that you've been kind of through the ringer, uh, attention like that, it, you, you kind of grab a hold of it. Um, well, he groomed me. I didn't realize at the time he was 21 years old. I thought he was, you know, 18, my boyfriend. Right. And, um, and he started grooming me, inviting me into his house. And one day, uh, we went in his house and he was trying to go a little too far with me. And so I said, no, and he would stop. 
And then he would start back again pretty aggressively. And uh, this time, no didn't work. And so I continued to say no for the 15 minutes. And at some point, the no just kind of went into a whimpering kind of no. And when he was finished, I left and coming from a situation of not being the the cutest kid in the class, not really having any boys interested in me and going to and, and believing that you only have uh, sexual relationships with a person that loves you and that you love. And so I'm thinking I was so confused. I said, well, if if you loved me, he should have taken no for an answer but we had sex and so he must love me because that is what we're brought up to to believe and it's true that in order to do that with someone there must be a love connection so in my 14 year old mind I did not understand that his uh process of thinking was very different than mine and so I left that day on my bicycle and rode home Uh, Part of the time crying and part of the time happy because I thought someone loved me. It was a very confusing event. And I think for years after that, I was really confused at what a loving relationship looked like. Thank you for sharing, Dana. It was very impacting for me to read. Um, I'm picturing, you know, you've just survived this rape at the tender age of 14, and then you get back on your bike and and ride back home. So just the, the juxtaposition of those two events side by side, and you mentioned grooming, and I think more and more we're becoming familiar and understanding that word more, whether it's a, a, an older boyfriend, quote unquote, boyfriend. So for someone who's maybe coming to to hear that word and understanding, especially in the age now of digital relationships, maybe a young girl meets someone online and, and they think this person quote unquote loves them. Talk to us for a minute about that and how we as either parents or even those that might be younger that are listening can be aware when this grooming might be taking place. So, you know, I think that's so important for us to understand, Dana. I think it is so important to offer a safe place for your children to come and talk with you. After I rode my bike home that day, I never told anybody. Wow. I didn't tell my parents because I was in, I was not supposed to be where I was at. Um, and I, and I had a fear that I would be in trouble. And I think that, um, there's a really great opportunity for us to earn our kids trust by saying, please always tell me the truth. If you tell me the truth, even if you've done something knowingly wrong, your consequences will be far less, but please come and talk to me. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like parents just need to have that open door that, um, that their children can come and talk to them from a place of innocence and from, uh, not from a place of fear. Um, and, and so that, they understand that they can come and talk to you about anything. Um, Also, I think we have to prepare our kids. We live in a absolutely crazy world right now. And I don't see that getting any better. As a matter of fact, we know it's not going to get any better. So I think really getting out in front of the situations, especially with the internet and, um, and kind of help your kids understand uh, 
at the ages of 14 up until, you know, 26 or so, it's hard for people who have never lived in a big, big picture themselves to be able to see the big picture. Mm. So we have to draw that picture for them, help them make those connections until they get older and they have life experience and they have um, experienced their you know, hearing from their friends and things that have happened there. And then they can actually see a bigger picture and make these connections, mm, but we have so to be proactive. That's so good. Yeah. We have to be engaged, whether we're parenting or if you, if you know of a young girl, a young man who is struggling with self-esteem, struggling with self-worth, you know, let's be a voice of life and hope. And like you said, Hey, tell me anything, what's actually really going on in your life. And, you know, as a pastor, Dana, we've heard it all, seen it all. And so this is not an era of disengagement. This is an era to be even more you know, involved, ask the hard questions and invite an open communication with both your own children and those that you have, you know, a sphere of influence over. So let's, let's talk about more of your story, Dana. So this happens, this kind of frames out now the way you even see relationships moving forward. And then you just kind of spiraled into a, a string of rebellion that I know so many parents and young adults can relate to. So talk about kind of this course of what happened over those next few years. So over the next few years, having the thought process of sex equals love, um, I became very promiscuous trying to find that love that I felt like I needed so badly. So there's this empty spot in me that needs to be filled. And this is what I'm thinking will fill it. Um, so I would, um, I started drinking um, and going out at age probably 15, 16. Uh, and I was just very promiscuous. I would give myself to anyone hoping that the result would be a loving, caring relationship. And uh, that went on for a few years <clears throat> until I met a, a guy. His name was James. And um, and I felt like, I mean, I fell in love. In my mind, I fell in love. And we stayed together for several years. But throughout those years, uh, introduced uh, marijuana, pills, uh, lots of things. And, and those things I felt numbed all of that emotional pain that I had been experiencing since I was a little kid. Um, so I wasn't having to kind of lean back on always feeling so negative about myself. It kind of took all of that away, but in the process, it also took all of the joy of life away. So there's absolutely no real feeling of emotions uh, but there was this hole that James was filling at the time Well, we got pregnant and I was so excited because here I am a person that needs to, and, and I want you to know that my family was very loving to me. I never wow. felt like they didn't love me, but I had this, this thing and, and it could have come from the, from the, you know, traumatic childhood. It could have come from this incident, but I was going to have a baby that was going to love me mm. and it would be me and James and this baby. And we would have our own little family and, and it was going to be perfect. I was really just delusional about 
the truth of the matter was that James was using me because I worked and I had a car and I could take him places and pay for his food. It was, it was really just eye opening after the fact that what was happening, but immediately James insisted I have a, an abortion. He did not go with me. I did not want this abortion, Mm. but in my young mind, I felt like, well, I've got James. He's a tangible uh, love in my life right now. And I don't want to lose him. And then when you get to the abortion clinic back in the um, 80s, it's a blob of cells, which we know now is a blatant lie from the enemy. But I was, I was, um, I believed that. And I believed that it was fine. It was okay. It was legal. Um, What what could be wrong with this? Little did I know that that abortion was going to be piling on shame. Um, And as, as you go along in addiction and in, in this hopeless place that I was in, we pile on more and more shame. We pile on more bad decisions. And so, as we're walking already in this in this hopelessness, we are piling more hopelessness onto us until we get to a place where you can't see that there's a better way. Mm. But a year later, we got pregnant again, and this time he didn't even uh, he didn't even get the money for me. I had to pay for it in order to stay with him. So that's two abortions. And how old are you at this point, Dana? Uh, 18 and 19. Wow. So young. Yeah. And and just so clueless about the world. And I did not tell my family. Mm. And I did not think there were other options for me. Sure. I couldn't take care of a child. Yeah. Uh, You go into the clinic and they do not give you any other options. Sure. It would be wonderful if a pro-life could have a counseling office and an addiction clinic, I mean, in an abortion clinic. Yeah. And someone changed their mind that re that organization just pays the clinic for that missed Uh, abortion and move on. (laughs) That would be wonderful. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? And we have have wonderful pro-life organizations. I work with one, but you're right. I mean, when you're walking into an abortion clinic, they, they don't care about you. They don't care about other options for you. And so, like you said, you're piling on trauma after trauma upon addiction, upon pain. And at 19 now you've lived a lifetime of, of pain. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So did you stay with James at that point? No. And I don't recall how that ended. Um, I, I believe he broke up with me and, um, I had gotten in a, a really bad car accident and then gotten an, a, an insurance settlement. It was not my fault, this accident, which then I bought a, a mobile home and I moved into it at age 19. And um, and from there, I began selling marijuana to make ends meet. Yeah. Yeah. And you you I mean, you opened the book with a pretty gripping account of you in a room um, and you were using heroin and cocaine simultaneously at that point. So, you know, for people listening, maybe we think we don't, and even the subtitle of your book is, you know, if I don't have it sitting right in front of me, it's, it's where I was reading it this morning, but 
the idea is if we only knew the power of one decision, what one decision can do both for the good and for the bad. So one decision just led to a point where I'm sure when you're 12, 13, 14, you never imagined yourself sitting in a hotel room, you know, using cocaine and heroin. And I don't think any of us ever think it's going to lead us to that, to that depth. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And what made the difference for you, Dana, what finally was the turning point for you to say, I can't live like this anymore. So after nine years of homelessness, drug addiction, and uh, prostitution in New York City, by this time I had moved to New York City, um, after nine years and in and out of rehabs in jail, I wound up in jail one more time. And uh, thankfully, it was my last time. I didn't know it at the time. But I went to jail for four months, and I had an opportunity, clarity, uh, to be able to evaluate my life. And this is why I tell people, please don't bail everybody out when they're in addiction. They're safe, they're alive, and they'll have an opportunity to Mm. evaluate their life. Well, my sister had been telling me about Jesus, and it was really annoying me (laughs) up until that (laughs) point. But when I'm evaluating my life, it is my sister that I called. Mm. And I asked her to pray for me, which never happened. (laughs) Um, And she did. And when I came out, um, I was just done. So I, you'll you'll read a lot more details in the book if you, if you are led to purchase one. Um, But I, I wound up calling my family and they flew me home for Christmas and I went to church uh, still, uh, still um, withdrawing from methadone. Mm. And I went to church and I accepted Christ. And that night I was delivered from my addiction, wow. which, you know, here we are 19 years later and I still am just amazed. And then often I'm like, did that really happen? Wow, well, it, it absolutely did. That doesn't happen for everyone. And I I still had a whole lot of rough edges that God needed to help me file down. (laughs) As we all do when we come to Christ, right? Right. And still do 19 years later. I have a few of those rough edges left that he's working on. But but it was a miraculous deliverance. And he replaced uh, my desire to use drugs with a desire to tell people what he can do. Mm, I love that. And that really became the launching pad for what is now Zoe Freedom Center right here in my own hometown. And you are really making your life matter for the kingdom in so many ways, Zoe, your book, which is so necessary for people. And before I even talk about Zoe, where can they get a copy? Because guys, if you're listening and you have struggled with addiction yourself, or you have a loved one that has, in fact, Dana, you shared a statistic with me earlier that was that was almost hard to believe. Yeah. Um, right now, the leading cause of death for 18 to 45-year-old people is overdose in our country. Wow. And it is higher than automobile accidents, cancer, COVID, and suicide mm. put together. It's just another epidemic on top of what we experience with, with COVID. You have an epidemic of hopelessness. You have an epidemic 
of, of drug abuse, substance abuse. And then you have now you're seeing the overdoses in just epic proportions. So again, guys, going back to the beginning of this conversation, this is not a time to be disengaged. This is not a time to think, Oh, not in my family, not in my church, not in my backyard. Yes, yes. And yes. So let's be proactive here and getting a copy of Dana's book, Desperate for a Fix. You can go to Amazon and get it. It's Dana Brown, just like it sounds, B-R-O-W-N. Get a copy of Desperate for a Fix and reading her story is going to give you not only insight into how decisions, one decision can lead to another. It will also give you hope and encouragement if you love an addict to know that God is strong enough. He is powerful. And just as he's done in her story, he provided miraculous miraculous deliverance. It might be more of a process, but God is in the redeeming and restoring process. So, so Dana, so you went on to not only write this book that people can get, but you also founded Zoe Freedom Center. Talk a little bit about what the ministry is of Zoe and how it's making such a difference in our community. Awesome. So Zoe Freedom Center is um, a faith-based addiction services nonprofit. And right now we have phase one open and has been operating for two years. And that's our education and resource center where we, where we offer Christian um, substance abuse counseling, Christian groups, men's groups, women's groups. We have um, families that come and uh, we have a group for them. We also sadly have recently started the process of starting a grief and loss um, um, program which um, which is desperately needed in our area. But we also do peer support. So when someone comes in just out of jail, let's just say that's the scenario for this person. We're very individualized. We sit down with this person who's just come out of jail and they have nothing um, except a big mountain in front of them of things to do in order to get back on their feet. Uh, How many of you know when you have this huge mountain of things, it's very hard to prioritize. It gets overwhelming. And usually when that happens to me, I just go take a nap. Sure, we don't but, yeah. yeah, we freeze. Yeah, we freeze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we want to help them prioritize the boulders in this mountain and move them one or two at a time or three at a time out of the way so that they can begin their journey to freedom. And that means journey to freedom from addiction, which we fully believe Christ died to set us free, not to set us in perpetual recovery, which I have no problem with recovery. I love it. it keeps people alive. People are are growing. They're growing closer to God. But there's another piece, and that's the freedom that Christ gives us. So we'll help them move those rocks, get them connected with jobs. Uh, We also have um, a Narcan program. Narcan is an overdose reversal drug. And we are aligned with the Virginia Department of Health, and we get our Narcan for free. And so we get that out as much as possible. We love to go to churches and train them how to use Narcan because I, I tell you, if you're not, if you don't know someone that's in addiction, you know, someone who knows someone. And so it's beneficial for us to have it all the time. I mean, this is, this is a way that we can save someone's life right here on this earth um, and give them an opportunity. If they don't know Jesus to have one more chance to get to know Jesus. And that's what we do. We want people to have as many choices as they possibly need to find Christ, Mm. um, which we also share with people when we are, are taking our Narcan out. Mm. 
We are looking forward to the end of this year, the beginning of 2023, opening our residential facility, which will be 12 to 24 months. It will help people uh, renew their minds in the truth of the word. It will help them build healthy relationships inside Zoe and outside of Zoe. Uh, Developing dreams is huge. That's my one of my favorites because I have a felony and many misdemeanors and so do many of the people that we meet with. And how hopeless does it feel when you go to an interview and they're like, well, you have this felony. We can't hire you. Hmm. Um, but one of the biggest pieces we want to help people open their own businesses um, if they're walking in integrity and they can run a, a great business, we will help them cut through all the red tape and all the things they need to get started. They can hire people that may not have a dream to open a business, but they can help hire them and give them a shot, the shot that they weren't given. Um, and then, of course, we know that serving others, it's its a call from God for all of us to do. Mm. And I know that a root of truth and a root of gratitude will keep us in freedom and keep us outward focused and not so focused on our problems that we may be having, but um, but be able to go out and help someone else. Mm, that's so good. A root of truth and a root of gratitude. Oh, I love that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> and, yeah. And I love the fact that you're not just looking at removing obstacles, but you're also moving them forward to dream again, to think yeah. differently. It's mindset shifts. It's complete lifestyle transformation. Not that not just getting people moved from addiction to freedom, that's powerful in and of itself. But I love that you're taking this a step further to say, now how, now let's dream together. What could your life look like? It's just like in this trafficking space that I've worked with and have learned so much about over the last two years, as I've worked with organizations, you know, women will go right back into being trafficked if they don't have a means of employment. So there's this big piece that has been maybe missing that now people are understanding, wait a minute, it's not just getting them free. It's keeping them free and employment and dreaming and, and moving past these things that can be real obstacles is so critical. So you have a gala coming up. If they live locally, May 11th, I'll be right there. I'll be hosting a table. We can't wait. But if they don't live locally, how could they make a donation? You have the Freedom 500 coming up. I know zoefreedomcenter.org is your website. Z-O-E, guys, is how to spell that. zoefreedomcenter.org. So if someone's listening, they say, I, not only do I want to get Dana's book, but I want to connect with Zoe. Let us know what is the best way you know that they can do that. And what would you like our, our audience to do when they finish listening to this podcast? Well, I would love for them to go on our website. And if you're led to donate, you can donate right there through our donate button. Um, if you're interested in any of our events, those will also be on our website. The Freedom 500 that's coming up in March 12th is a go-kart race. It's very fun. Uh, it's just a good time for the family to get outside after this, after the winter's craziness and get outside as a family and have a good time. Uh, it's one of our fundraisers and you can sponsor a vehicle or, uh, or donate any other way. We also have our gala coming up. It is our image bearers gala. And this year our theme is courage. 
And uh, we know that God is, has yeah. us stepping out courageously in, in many areas. And we're just excited to invite everyone alongside in that endeavor. If you're not able to go to the gala, um, you can donate. You can donate there without purchasing tickets. You can donate. It's 100% tax deductible. Uh, we are 501c3. I did want to speak really quickly to the trafficking piece. Sure. Zoe Freedom Center uh, will be equipped in the trauma-informed care of individuals who have been a part of the sex trade. Um, um, And we know that people don't always come right out and say, you know, I've been trafficked, but if they have an addiction and they're under our roof and six months later, they realize that they've been trafficked um, and they tell us we're ready right then to help serve them, to help meet their needs, to, to walk with them in a gentle, loving way as Jesus does with us and help them uh, to get freedom in that area. So powerful, Dana. Early on in the podcast, I had Holly Christine Hayes, who's the founder of Sanctuary Project. And she talked about that. What started out as a quote unquote boyfriend turned into a, you know, you see the grooming, then you see the, hey, you're so beautiful. We could make money here. And before you know it, you're being trafficked. A lot of women don't even understand. You've shared that personally yourself, that they don't even put that frame around. Wait a minute. I'm actually being exploited. There's many ways exploitation can take place. So the this is a multi-faceted approach. This is not a singular issue. There's esteem, there's faith, there's worth, there's there's like you said earlier, love equals sex. There's so many mental, emotional, physical. This is a holistic approach in order to see people, men and women, truly live in freedom. We can't just tackle one aspect of it. And that's where faith-based organizations like Zoe are so much more well-equipped because we are looking at the whole person and we understand that without that approach, it's really difficult to truly live in in the kind of true freedom that Christ offers, not just perpetual recovery. Thank you for making that clarification, but there is true freedom from whether it's sexual identity crisis, whether it's trafficking, whether it's addiction, God offers 100% true freedom. The blood of Jesus is enough. And I think we need to remember that apply the blood of Jesus to our mind and our hearts. But we also have to take the practical steps that we've talked about here, being proactive, being engaged. If you or someone you love are struggling with addiction, we want you to get the help that you need. And Zoe Freedom Center is a great step. Even if you don't live in Fredericksburg, but you've listened, I know that Dana would want you to reach out to her and she will help you. I'm sure, right, Dana, to even know what they could do in their own area. Absolutely. We have connected people from Minnesota to rehabs in Texas. I mean, we are, we're ready to get you connected to where, what need, what you need to help you live your best life. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for the way you're making your life matter. And I love how God not only redeems the most painful parts of our story, but then he actually uses those painful moments as a platform for a demonstration of his grace and an opportunity to see others bring, you know, be brought into freedom. So again, guys, you can get desperate for a fix. This is her personal testimony story. It's riveting. It will bless you, especially if you or someone you love has wrestled with addiction. 
zoefreedomcenter.org is the website that you can go. The gala will be May 11th. If you live locally or if you want to donate, join me in sponsoring a table. We will fill it. Trust me. If you live in a different state and you want to sponsor a table, go ahead and do that. And Dana and I will make sure that people are there and honor your donation. So Dana, thank you. Thank you for being a leader in our community. We are so grateful for you and the work that you're doing. And I would love for you to just pray over our listeners as we close our time, especially if there's anyone who's listened and maybe we've hit on a topic very, very tender to them today. Perhaps they've been through sexual trauma or assault or any of the things that we've covered. I know God is enough. He's more than enough than anything that for anything that we've ever been through. And so listen, everyone who's listening today, we love you. We are praying for you. And if you have been through some of the traumas that we've talked about today, we're believing that God is going to mercifully guide you into true freedom. So Dana, would you pray for us as we close today? Of course. Thank you so much for having me as well. Father, we just praise you. We praise you for your faithfulness, God. We praise you for your goodness to us. God, today I pray for anyone who may be listening and has lost hope, has lost their ability to dream for their lives has found themselves in what seems like a hopeless place, I pray that they would remember that you have not left us as orphans. I ask that you would meet them where they are and you would remind them who they are, that you would bring divine appointments to their lives that would remind them who you are. Father, your word says, that you will place our feet on a solid rock and you would establish every step. I pray that anyone who is listening today that has not placed their faith in you, Lord, that they would make that decision right now. I pray that they would have soft hearts to grow closer to you and to align themselves with you so they can experience life to the full. As Jesus said, he has come for us to have life and life to the full. We are so grateful for your promises. We are so grateful for your faithfulness. And God, we are just so grateful that you have sent your son for us, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at AngelaDenadio.com, Facebook at AngelaDenadioVOV, and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.